Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 16th day of September 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and let's start off our look back at the week that was and the week that began with the anniversary of one of the most infamous events in certainly U.S. history, if not world history, the false flag of 9-11-2001. And I guess in keeping with the tyranny that brought us the Patriot Act right after that awful event, over the weekend we had another egregious act of tyranny. You might even call it a trial balloon, and we'll come back to that concept. As the communist left, having already taken off the gloves and the mask too, to reveal the true evil that's within, keep on pushing the envelope and lighting fire to the Bill of Rights. As we went into the weekend, one of the governors vying for the title of the most evil in the once free United States, in this case it's New Mexico's tyrant, anti-constitutional communist Michelle Lujan Grisham, who declared a public health emergency. How original. Because, you know, there are people there that actually think they have a God-given, once constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. Achtung, that ist verboten. The claim is that it had to do with the shooting deaths of a 13-year-old girl, a 5-year-old girl, and an 11-year-old boy. But come on, who are we kidding? They couldn't care less about killing kids or cutting off their genitalia or injecting them with poisons. The only thing they seem to care about is yet another excuse for gang-raping what's left of the Second Amendment. Grisham temporarily, and you know what that means, they're looking to see how this trial balloon flies before they make it permanent, suspended. All of the open and concealed carry laws in Bernalillo County, New Mexico, basically the Albuquerque area, effective immediately. Now, quickly and ironically, anybody who had any understanding of the law would recognize that, hey, if you have a God-given constitutionally protected right to do something and they suspend any laws about it, well, what? You still have the constitutionally protected, God-given, guaranteed right. So who cares? But there's, of course, more to this one. Like, do the jackbooted thugs, the goons who enforce unconstitutional laws, that, of course, aren't really laws anyway, even know the difference, much less care? Clearly, the governor's action is not only unconstitutional, but outright tyrannical, says the coverage from the Gateway Pundit. And let's not forget, folks, nobody doubts that. It's just that a whole lot of wannabe tyrants have been praying to their dark lord for somebody to cross this bridge for a while now. And how bad is it? Well, even the sheriff of Bernalillo County, who issued a statement just full of political correctness, still couldn't quite stomach this one. And issued a statement almost immediately saying that the sheriff's office will not comply with the unconstitutional order. Well, so far, so good. A lot of us would suggest the proper response was to issue an arrest warrant for a governor who has clearly violated her oath of office and is now openly making war against the citizens of the state of New Mexico. And you already know not to hold your breath for anything even remotely approaching that kind of integrity. For her part, New Mexico's Adolf said that when it comes to her oath, she could care less. It's, quote, not absolute. Well, what we know it is, folks, is crap. And then she went on to talk about the debate having to do with how to make our community and state safer. And I'll suggest there's one easy answer. Take the criminals off the streets, starting with those that are occupying the governor's mansion and those that don't pay any attention to the law, whether it's one that says thou shalt not kill or you shall not infringe the right of the people to defend themselves against what you intend to do to them. If you're not angry about this, let me say it again. You're not paying attention. For most of this country's history, people fought and died to protect their rights to fight this kind of tyranny. 
Let's follow that one up with another insult to your intelligence. The U.S. Federal Death Agency, or Food and Drug Administration, yeah, sure, cleared new poison poke Zyklon B injections from Big Brother's favorite Big Pharma public-private partners, Moderna and Pfizer, that will now be available to Americans, with a K, as young as six months of age if they want to commit early Harry Carry starting this month. And they picked a great day for it, too, right? The anniversary of that other act of tyranny, September 11th, and Dr. Peter Marks, sick, begins the Epic Times' coverage. Top FDA official said in a statement that, quote, vaccination remains critical to public health. In other words, if we want to kill you, folks, we got to keep you on the Zyklon B. Are you buying this so far? Well, one thing's for sure. At the very least, they need another scapegoat, and they need it now for the continued massive numbers of deaths associated with the first round of experimental mRNA injections. And he said, continued protection. It hadn't actually worked yet, but if you're stupid enough to believe it so far, why not? We'll just double down. Continued protection against serious consequences of COVID-19, including hospitalization and death, unquote. And booga, 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 are you afraid enough yet to go ahead and take another untested shot? Or better still, give it to your infant or young child? Quote, we very much encourage those who are eligible to consider killing them. I'm sorry, uh, getting vaccinated, unquote. And isn't it ironic? They're still not telling you the truth. It's not a vaccine. They changed the definition. It's an mRNA modification to your DNA or your kid's DNA if you don't care about them. I guess if you really want to drink the Bud Light, you better go to the New York Times, which says in their COVID-19 vaccine subcategory, which includes the latest news and resources about the coronavirus vaccines to help you better protect yourself. The FDA, they claim, approved a new shot to protect infants from the deadly booga, booga, booga Fauci flu. Of course, that's not what it really does. Oh, and since I had to pull this bit of crap up anyway, let me just read the top three headlines from September 11th New York Times coronavirus vaccine category. Number one, and this at least fits, as COVID-19 cases tick higher, conspiracy theorists stoke new fears. Yeah, though, they'll soft pedal it. A late summer rise in COVID-19 infections is bringing with it a new wave of conspiracy theories. How about this one? COVID vaccines, they promise, may roll out within days. Yeah, now it's happened. The FDA has announced that new round of shots by Pfizer and Moderna. It was supposed to be out as early as Monday. And, hey, why would you want to let a good anniversary like this pass without it, folks? To prepare America, as it says, for the fall and winter season when infections usually tick upward. I'll add this. Anyway, they won't tell you, but anybody that has any understanding of vitamin D will. It's because there's less sunshine that people are getting nowadays and therefore more infections. But there are other reasons, don't you know? And how better to cover their tracks? How about this one? Still on the front page, but actually came out just before the weekend. How COVID affects the heart, it says. Three years into the pandemic, and they spelled it wrong, the short and long-term risks are becoming more clear. You know what they're not going to tell you in this piece? The risks of uh, myocarditis, pericarditis, stroke, clots, heart attacks, and other things are really associated with messing with your DNA and putting all kinds of crap into your bloodstream that Fauci and the communist Chinese may have wanted there, but the creator of the year certainly didn't. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, Greg Hunter had a great interview up over the weekend with Dr. Betsy Eads, and I like the headline they chose. The COVID-19 so-called vaxxed are, in fact, sick super spreaders. Yep, once they reprogram your immune system to produce COVID-19 spike proteins forevermore, and that's what more and more studies are saying, well, at least two years that we know of so far, 
You get to be a little spike protein factory and spread contagion wherever you go as long as you live, which yeah, may not be nearly as long as it might have been otherwise. Related story, and it's also linked to the uh, Greg Hunter piece, renowned physician and heart doctor Peter McCulloch calls people who got the COVID-19 bioweapon vax pre-symptomatic super spreaders. And McCulloch, too, says this phenomenon may be the source of the shocking post-vaccination surges in heavily vaccinated populations globally, he said, writing for the children's health defense publication called The Defender. Which is, of course, yet another reason that the far left will try to kill RFK Jr., if they haven't already, before they even remotely allow him to be a contender for the Democrat presidential nomination. And while we're on the subject, here's one more story that certainly makes the same point. This one also comes from the Epic Times via Zachary Stiber, and it says that COVID-19 cases among vaccinated seniors, you could call it yet another epidemic of the vaccinated, soared in 2021, according to newly disclosed data acquired by U.S. health agencies. But, hey, here's a shocker, not presented to the public. Humetrics Cloud Services was contracted by the U.S. military to analyze vaccine data, and the company performed a fresh analysis as authorities considered in 2021 whether the so-called COVID-19 vaccine boosters were necessary amid studies that warned about already fading vaccine effectiveness. Humetrics researchers found that the population and proportion of total COVID-19 cases among seniors was increasingly comprised of, are you sitting down, folks? vaccinated people, according to these newly released documents. And for the week ending July 31, 2021, post-vax COVID-19 cases comprised fully almost three-quarters, 73% of the cases among people over age 65, said the company, and the elderly were fully 80% vaccinated at the time. Breakthrough infection rates were higher among those who were vaccinated early. Vaccinate early, vaccinate often, and die soon seems to be part of the equation here, said the researchers. And they estimated that the rates were twice as high in those who had been vaccinated five to six months prior when compared to people who were only vaccinated three or four months before. The cases started in January 2021, according to the data. Protection against hospitalization was also fading, said the researchers. And in the week ending July 31 of 2021, 63% of hospitalizations for COVID-19 in seniors were among those that were, oh yeah, fully vaccinated, according to the documents. And this same pattern of weaker protection, sick, among people who were vaccinated early was found. And basically the rest of the story says, yeah, most of the stuff they've been feeding you, it's a bald face, literally death-dealing lie. No wonder, as the headline puts it, the FDA and the CDC hid the data on the spike in COVID cases among the vaccinated. And now they're coming out and telling you, yeah, inject your kids with this new crap too. Are you going to believe them this time? Or how many times are they going to be able to fool the populace and keep getting away with it? We'll continue our more or less chronological look back at the week. Whereas we entered Tuesday, still no gubernatorial arrest in New Mexico. But the message, at least, has been sent. So I'll go to a story you probably haven't even heard, but should have. With a tip of the hat to Mike Adams and Natural News for pointing out this one. Most listeners here, I hope, are probably familiar with the Berkey Water Systems line of filters, often referred to by preppers and patriots and others who know what's going on simply as the Big Berkey, although they make even bigger models, which have already turned out to be absolutely essential in so many places and will certainly become more essential as the Marxist, fascist, CCP-inspired Biden collapse accelerates. I can literally say, folks, I've recommended them for years. But if you haven't gotten one yet, it may actually be too late. 
the EPA, for one, and other TLAs certainly don't want you to be able to have clean water when they know you're going to need it most. And here's the capsule synopsis of the story. Turns out the EPA has decided, well, you could have guessed it, they really, really hate the idea of consumers being able to provide pure water for themselves, their children, their families that isn't tainted the way they intend for it to be. So guess what? The EPA has decided we're going to ban the sale of these wonderfully appropriate and oh-so-effective water filters in the United States. Oh, yeah, we're going to make it really hard to get replacement filters for them, too, because, well, because, obviously... No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And let's be honest here, folks. If you're stupid enough to believe that they want you to wear a mask because they care about your health, then you probably believe that they want to ban Berkey water filters for basically the same reason. Oh, yeah. Somehow or other, the EPA claims that Berkey water filters are kind of like a chemical pesticide, and therefore you slaves can't have it. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid, does Mr. I guess. And honestly, folks, this has got to be one of the most insane, idiotic, and yeah, satanic bits of bureaucratic overreach I've ever seen. Because it not only offends people's intelligence, it basically says we're not even trying to hide anymore. If there's, say, a hurricane in your area, or we burn you out with fires like in Maui, and you don't have any water, well, as Goldfinger put it, we want you to die. And rather than treat the EPA's propaganda as if it was anything other than outright bullshit, and I'm going to use the term as it should be used, folks, because that's what this is, I'm going to instead turn to Big Berkey, the water filter company themselves, owned by New Millennium Concepts, and the James B. Shepard Trust, the brand owner of Berkey Water Systems, and what they had to say about it in a lawsuit that's been filed against the environmental perversion of America. In their press release, an article entitled Berkey Water Filters sues the EPA. They say that for more than a quarter of a century, Berkey has provided water filters to the public, providing an effective economical means of removing harmful contaminants from freshwater sources for consumers to have clean water at home or on the go. In fact, an entire generation has grown up with a Berkey water filter in their kitchen. So if the EPA wants to regulate gravity-fed mechanical water filters, it has a process to follow at the very least. Berkey Water Filters they note, have never caused any harm to anyone. As a matter of fact, folks, they've arguably saved who knows how many lives. And the removal of Berkey water filters from the marketplace inexorably means that Berkey owners will not be able to replace the filters in their systems, and therefore the demand will be met with untested knockoffs and counterfeit filters that claim that their replacements provide the same benefits, when in fact they do not. And your host notes here, isn't that an insidious way to kill people? If in fact that turns out to be your real goal. And it's getting increasingly harder and harder to deny that that isn't obviously the case. This next part of their uh, article I think is pretty obvious. They say the EPA's decision to persecute the market leader may well cause actual damage to the American people, whom the EPA is supposed to be protecting. And all I can add to that is, duh, they give some examples. But basically they say, given that Berkey's filters have never caused any harm to anyone, and the EPA's arbitrary and arguably outright irrational new interpretation of its own regulations would seem to have a huge impact, directly threatening not only the jobs of 500-plus employees globally, lost sales for Berkey distributors and retailers around the world, some of which sell only Berkey products, and that would mean they're essentially out of business, and let's not forget the well-being of the American people, although the EPA obviously couldn't care less about that. Okay, here's the rub. The EPA has been regulating pesticides since 1947, mostly through the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act, called FIFRA, 
which is a law that seeks to regulate chemical pesticides primarily for agricultural purposes. Are you starting to get the idea, folks? They're claiming to regulate something which is, in fact, a water filter by calling it a pesticide. I guess because it filters out things like Girardia, and you slaves had better get used to dealing with stuff like that in your water. But the law distinguishes, notes the lawsuit here, between actual pesticides and, quote, substances or mixtures of substances intended to prevent, destroy, repel, or mitigate any pest, and treated devices, which use registered pesticides in their construction, i.e. seeds that are sold after being treated with a registered pesticide. But never before has the EPA sought to force registration of a mechanical-type water filter as a pesticide until the EPA decided to start regulating Berkey water filters without warning after more than two decades of indisputably safe manufacture and sale in the American market. And furthermore, there was no notice nor opportunity to discuss the issue. The claim is that the Berkey water filter is somehow regulatable because, get this, folks, it employs silver in their filter media. Well, you know what, folks? So does everything from underwear and hospital bed sheets to bandages. Because silver, as you hopefully know, helps to inhibit the growth of harmful microorganisms. For crying out loud, folks, the pioneers learned to put a silver coin in a bucket of fresh milk in order to keep it fresh for longer around 200 years ago. Oh, everybody knows that they want to get rid of silver, and they don't like the idea of you having anything that would prevent, uh, well, infection or propagation of this this is so asinine i have trouble even getting through this there's a whole lot in here and i'm not going to read through about how the problem arises when a water filter system is classified as a registered pesticide because a whole host of time-consuming regulations and requirements then go into play including onerous labeling requirements that must be placed upon all packaging and so on and so forth good grief this is beyond idiotic yeah, even beyond tortuous interference and persecution. Yeah, it's downright satanic. And there seems to be one and only one real purpose here, and I think everybody listening knows what it is. Anyway, the people behind the Big Berkey line of water filters are suing in federal court and seek an injunction to force the EPA to follow its own rulemaking process before enforcing, and I'm going to put one word in here, onerous, destructive, well, that's two words, new regulations. There's a pattern here, folks. Your host will contend. Let's see if we can't flesh it out just a bit more. Remember, liberty not so safe that turns out to be more than happy to give backdoors to electronic combinations on so-called safes to Big Brother's very own Gestapo, like the FBI? Well, says a piece from the Western Journal, the new Bud Light, a company which describes itself as, quote, America's number one heavy-duty home and gun-safe manufacturer, has come under fire for a new report which revealed that its parent company, and this is a familiar theme now, isn't it? Somebody bought them and seems to have undermined their mission. Well, that parent company has given almost half a million dollars to pro-gun control Communist, uh, a.k.a. Democrat officials. On Wednesday, Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk showed FEC filings on the social media platform once known as Twitter, a.k.a. X, that shows Liberty Safe's parent company, Monomoy Capital Partners, has donated hundreds of thousands of bucks to far-left gun grabbers and socialists masquerading as Democrats. Wrote Charlie Kirk, I pulled the FEC reports on the company and found approximately $400,000, he said, over the last 10 cycles of max donations to Democrats. And their CEO, Justin Hillebrand, was a founding partner of Monomoy and donated 4600 bucks to Obama for America. 
Now, ponder this, folks. This is a company that supposedly makes safes for patriots to be able to keep their guns safe from the gun grabbers that this very same company is now funding. And isn't this funny? In a news release in 2021, they announced their acquisition of Liberty Safe, calling it another great example of Monomoy partnering. How's that for an eyebrow-raising term? With a branded market-leading consumer products manufacturer that's garnered an enthusiast customer base throughout the company's history, unquote. And guess what they have now done with that customer base, folks? Is there a polite way to say, ha-ha, we took the company over and screwed them? How about they targeted them and pulled a Bud Light? Among the many donations listed, some included far-left senators like Raphael Warnock of Georgia, the infamous vegetable John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, and Mark Kelly of Arizona, along with former Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes of Wisconsin, all of whom have expressed their support for destroying the Second Amendment. And you may recall that Barnes lost a bid to unseat the decent Republican senator from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, back in November. The story helpfully reminds us of this. The man who was targeted by the Federal Bureau of Instigation and arrested August 30th for daring to think that he had a right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And you know what we're talking about, right? January 6th, Nathan Earl Hughes of Fayetteville, Arkansas has, through his lawyer, pointed out that Liberty Safe, sick, volunteered to give the FBI the backdoor passcode to get into his uh, safe, despite the fact there was no court order actually requiring the company to do so, admits the New York Times. And this is interesting. I hadn't seen this part before. Hughes' case has been highlighted by a conservative duo known as the Hodge Twins, who described Hughes as, quote, an outspoken American patriot and a friend of ours. And right there, you know why the American Gestapo wanted to bring him down. The Hodge Twins also shared a video of Hughes' arrest on a convoy of FBI vehicles pulling into his driveway. But since the FBI reportedly disabled his home security system, gee, I wonder if they got in via the back door to that one, too, or just had to take it out the old-fashioned way. There was no footage of agents actually executing the search and takedown. Well, thankfully, folks, unlike some other FBI takedowns of late, at least Hughes is still alive. Meanwhile, says the piece, Liberty Safe has attempted to recover from the well-deserved backlash surrounding their uh, failure to do what they should have done to begin with if they were a real safe company by announcing that customers can now remove their safe's backdoor passcodes from Liberty Safe's database of combinations. Now, note, folks, since the combination is electronic and the backdoor is not changeable by the customer, suggests your host, you've still got a problem. But hey, not to worry, they say. You can fill out a form and have the access codes expunged, they promise. Well, unless there's a copy out there somewhere or something like that. And let me tell you, folks, if you believe that they're going to expunge those passcodes, why, maybe you even believe the ATF isn't keeping a national registration of guns from those infamous yellow background check permission forms. Contrary to what was once called law, back when it shall not be infringed, used to actually mean something. I can't help but think here, there's an old saying about trust you may have heard. It can take years to build up, but only a minute to utterly destroy. Item, real quick update from InfoWars. Their well-known host and reporter, Owen Schroyer, has been sentenced to 60 days in the federal gulag for the crime of thinking that free speech was still permissible in a police state. And no, he didn't even enter the once so-called people's house. And the more you learn about this one, folks, the more it is absolutely infuriating. Because the truth is, the only crime that Owen Schroyer committed was speaking truth about a rigged and stolen election and then failing to repent of actually having been hammered for daring to say something that is verboten 
in no longer free America. Interestingly, we'll see whether or not this one even makes it to the Supreme Court. But if there was ever a First Amendment case that should, this is probably about as close as we're going to see, if we see it at all, that is. We'll wrap up the segment with this one, courtesy of Jim Hoft and the Gateway Pundit. What's going on here? Three separate coin shop owners. Octung, you know that when we have the mark of the beast in place, we don't want you to have gold or silver coins. And they've got a multiple pronged attack on silver, as we've seen. Well, these coin shop owners were shocked, shocked, I tell you, as their bank accounts were suddenly shut down with no reason given. Who could have imagined such a thing? And yeah, folks, they're doing it to gun stores, too. Imagine that. But it is how fascism actually works. And we'll be right back. We're killing our babies before they are born. Stand up and be kind and come and sound the alarm. Are you one of God's children but nothing but the devil's Welcome back now to the second segment of the show for this evening. I am your host, Mark Hall, and as you might suspect, we're going to start this one off with another look at the good, the bad, and the, once again, truly ugly. And sadly, as is often the case, the good is just a reversal, probably only short term at that, of the bad that we saw last week. A trial balloon shot down like it so richly deserved. New Mexico's traitorous, tyrannical governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, has been under fire, pun intended, from both sides of the alleged aisle after she temporarily suspended the Bill of Rights and said, the hell with your God-given, once constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. Not in this state, not as long as I'm dictator, you don't. And said at least one of the stories and a number of tweets, even gun control nutcase David Hogg admitted, shockingly, that, whoops, she went too far too fast with her order to block, concealed, and open carry. Here's the story. The scoop seems to go to Nick's order. A federal judge in Albuquerque has blocked the tyrannical New Mexico not law and suspension of the Second Amendment in the state. And this comes after both New Mexico's attorney general and other Democrats in the state announced they'd all be refusing to enforce the obviously anti-constitutional order. And how bad was it? Well, Communist Congress critter Ted Lieu of California was yet another one who surprisingly spoke out against Grisham, along with the already mentioned David Hogg. Says D.C. Drano's coverage, not only David Hogg, but leftist Congress critter David Lieu apparently received their marching orders pertaining to the New Mexico governor's ban by edict. Quote, there's no such thing as a state public health emergency except to the U.S. Constitution. While for the first time people are beginning to agree with them, it's a bit strange they use the exact same verbiage that insider polls are evidently showing as being responsible for a big dip in approval among uh, once called Democrat voters. And I'll move on with this observation. There's an unconfirmed rumor, probably hearsay, that at least one tyrannical nutcase in the governor's mention was heard wandering the halls murmuring, was it too soon? Was it too soon? 
On then to the bad, also courtesy of multiple reports via the Epic Times, Zero Hedge, the Burning Platform, and Martin Armstrong. The group of G20 leaders has agreed to a plan that is intended to eventually impose digital currencies and digital IDs. You can think Mark of the Beast and you'd be pretty darn close on their respective populations, whether people like it or not. And despite fear, says the Epic Times story, that governments will use them, as you might expect, to monitor people's spending and crush dissent among other forms of totalitarian control. The G20, currently under the presidency of India, adopted a final declaration on the subject over the weekend in New Delhi. After announcing last week that they had agreed to build the necessary infrastructure in order to implement their tyrannical digital currencies and IDs. Indian Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman said that discussions were underway to build a global framework to regulate crypto assets since they believe cryptocurrencies cannot be regulated efficiently without total international cooperation. In other words, we certainly don't want any free market competition. But, said sources within the G20, there was no talk of banning cryptocurrencies, at least not outright and at least not right off the top. But, oh yeah, here we go. Some of the suggestions called for additional police of cryptocurrencies, which are decentralized and do not operate under the control of these central banksters or their public-private partners. Und sat, as you might suspect, will eventually be verboten. Critics, meanwhile, said the Epic Times story, say that these proposals could allow government authorities to impose a socialist credit score system and decide how and whether and when or even if citizens can be allowed to spend what is no longer, at that point, their money. Of course, it wasn't really money ever to begin with. And let's not forget what the central currency, you need the central mark. At the summit, continues the story, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen called for an international regulatory body for, among other things, artificial intelligence, digital ID systems, and all kinds of things similar, she noted, to coronavirus vaccine passports, and what else? She advocated for global cooperation to address the challenges presented by AI and called for the United Nations, again, what else, to have a larger role in regulation of AI, i.e. control, and called the European Union's COVID digital ID certificate a perfect model for the mark of the beast, uh, well, she said for the digital public infrastructure, or DPI, which would include the mark, uh, the digital IDs. Quote, many of you are familiar with the COVID-19 digital certificate. The EU developed it for itself. The model was so functional and so trusted that 51 countries on four continents adopted it for free, she said. Today, the WHO uses it as a global standard to facilitate mobility, or in some cases, folks, the lack thereof, in times of health threats. I want to thank Dr. Tedros again for the excellent cooperation, she said, referring to the international tyrannical attempt to shut down any and all alternatives to what they've got planned for you. And in case you don't recall, the Epic Times kindly reminds us that the EU is currently trying to introduce their block-wide digital identity app that would consolidate all kinds of personal information and things that you probably, if you knew better, didn't want consolidated, including passports, driver's licenses, and medical history. And this is telling. Continued, Vanderlein, the future is digital. I passed two messages to the G20. We should establish a framework for safe, responsible AI with a similar body as the IPCC is for climate. Wait a minute. You mean the sellout bunch of whores that decided they want to control the entire world using non-existent man-made global warming? Yeah, that one. Back to the quote. 
Digital public infrastructure are an accelerator for growth. <laughs> no, it's an accelerator for control, which is, let's be honest, the opposite of growth. Unless, of course, you're talking cancer. They, she said, must be trusted, interoperable, and open to all, <laughs> whether you like it or not. And I say that, folks, because as the story notes, the Cato Institute and their 2023 CBDC National Survey back in May found that only 16% of Americans, the really, really out-of-touch ones, support the adoption of a CBDC, while at least 68% of respondents said they would oppose the mark of the beast, even if the survey didn't use that terminology, and some of them don't even recognize it yet as such, if the government started to monitor their purchases. Oh, yeah, and it says people are also concerned that Big Brother may eventually try to turn off access to their bank accounts, maybe because they're already doing it. I guess no international Big Brother New World Order story would be complete without the official pablum in a separate press statement. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva praised her Indian counterparts via X and said, quote, to this end, the G20 has tasked several relevant institutions to improve regulation and supervision of crypto assets. The IMF is contributing to proposals for a comprehensive policy framework and advanced the debate on how central bank digital currencies could impact the global economy and financial system. And rather than recognize cryptocurrency assets as legal tender, they note, government should instead create licensing and registration processes for all crypto asset issuers and focus on treating all of their activities similarly. And as if all that wasn't enough, the World Bank has also praised India's use of digital public infrastructure to, quote, enhance financial inclusion. They always put it that way when it's something you don't want to be included in. And delivery of public goods and services in a report written for the G20 summit, saying that the nation's India Stack DPI system, which comprises a digital ID and an interoperable UPI digital payment platform, has been cited as an example that other nations, whether they like it or not, might be encouraged to follow. The G20 believes that DPIs can serve people, yeah, not just in the financial sector, but also in the domains of health, education, and socialist welfare. Because, quote, the India stack exemplifies this approach, combining all kinds of things that we might know another name for here. Digital IDs, interoperable payments, and digital credentials ledgers, as well as account aggregation. And you know, folks, as I was reading that, I got to pause and take a quick aside here. Anybody remember a wonderful Twilight Zone episode from years ago entitled To Serve Man? I can't help it. Whenever I hear these globalist world controllers masquerading as bureaucrats who just want to serve man, I can't help but think about that episode having to do with an alien race that turned out to be not quite so friendly. To serve man was supposed to be right out of their Bible, something they're driven by their altruism to do. Turns out, as the final line of the TV show said, no, it's not a religious text, it's a cookbook. Half a century later, there's still an appropriate message there. Which takes me right to Martin Armstrong, who, as usual, cuts to the chase. G20, he says, and the one world government dream. So, yep. The movement towards that one-world totalitarian state is proceeding with India, the chair of the G20, has the leaders over the weekend reaching an agreement to impose by sheer force their digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective population. However, the point here is to create a shared network to deny travel to individuals they deem to be non-compliant with their tyranny. 
That's the problem, he says. When you have career politicians, they're not on our side, but they sit down to look down and control with disdain. And the G20 under India's presidency has adopted a final declaration on the subject over the weekend. The goal here is to eliminate the underground economy. Canceling paper money will make paying cash under the table impossible. They claim this will eliminate all crime. Yeah, sure, just like gun control does, folks. And bank runs, too. The estimations are that the untaxed economy manages to account for between 20 and 40 percent of world GDP. And while they cleverly state that there are no discussions on eliminating cryptocurrency, but they intend to seize all the cryptos eventually anyway, there would still be an underground economy, the gray market. So that's why Christine Lagarde said admitted there will be controls on digital currency, and the G20 announced they'd agreed to build the infrastructure necessary to implement their digital IDs and digital currencies, all part of the 2032 agenda, as Martin Armstrong says he's warned. But this will fail, he notes, and in the end, only lead to revolution, because there's zero economic benefit to digital currencies. They do this purely as a control mechanism to control the economy and eliminate the gray market that they can't tax and control otherwise. We must understand, he concludes, that this is why the Democrats oppose RFK Jr., just as they do Trump. The Republicans hate Trump, and these people only want career politicians in those positions of power. Because we, too, like them, are their hated enemy. And anyone who thinks they care about us, says Martin Armstrong, is simply a delusional fool. We're the ants in the ant farm, and they want to observe and control everything we do. Just like communist leaders did 34 years ago. Yeah, folks, this time, remember, they're progressives. Which brings us finally to the truly ugly Hunter Biden, who else, is suing a former Trump White House aide for publishing the contents of his infamous laptop from hell. Ah, you cursed rat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! Who would have thought a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Ah, the moon! The moon! Yeah, it's ugly, all right, but there's even more. This is the very same laptop from hell, which contains all kinds of evidence, which should have deep-sixed the career of the scumbag crime family before the installation of the Oval Orifice, so that there would have been no need for a bogus, way, way belated impeachment distraction. And yes, as Zero Hedge's coverage, that's the very same laptop that 51 former so-called intelligence officials claimed, and they were lying, that it had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russia, Russia, Russian information operation, and that the infamous Anthony Blinken, former top Biden campaign official turned traitorous secretary of state, had a central role in discrediting after the New York Post reported that Hunter Biden had exploited his father's position as then vice president for, uh, well, personal gain. Lots of bribes and, of course, outright treason, as we've now seen since then. In the Wednesday night filing, Hunter Biden's legal team is suing Garrett Ziegler, who operates the website Marco Polo, claiming that they and others violated federal and California. Get this. What an absolute scumbag. They violated privacy laws by accessing, tampering with, manipulating, altering, copying, and damaging his computer data. And you know what, folks? There's so much wrong here that it goes way, way beyond ugly. You'd think Hunter Biden would sue the FBI. After all, weren't they supposed to have hidden this thing, did away with the data, and made sure that it never, ever saw the light of day? Hey, there's your lawsuit, Hunter. Yeah, they violated his privacy by not bleach bedding it like they did for Hitler and everybody else that's far left. 
Oh, the bitter irony. And hey, let's not kid ourselves, folks. Everything on this laptop, the NSA and other three-letter agencies were well aware of long before the FBI got the responsibility of trying to make sure it stayed hidden. In response, Garrett Ziegler told CBS News that neither I nor the nonprofit Marco Polo have been served with a lawsuit, but the one I read this morning, he said, out of the Central District of California should embarrass the lawyers that filed it because, quote, it's not worth the paper it's written on. And he added, apart from the numerous state and federal laws and regulations which protect authors like me and the publishing that Marco Polo does, well, wait a minute, folks, he has to remember what happened to Owen Schroyer. There is no First Amendment anymore. And free speech and freedom of the press are clearly dead letters in the once constitutional republic. Still, though, he said it's not lost on us that Joe's son filed this slap, S-L-A-P-P, one day after a so-called impeachment inquiry into his father was announced. Unquote. And, yeah, what an amazing coincidence. The first scumbag son, he said, is, quote, a disgrace to our great nation. Unquote. And since we're on to the ugly part of the stories today anyway, you may recall that earlier this year, the shameless crackhead Hormeister first son sued a Delaware-based computer repairman, John Paul Mac Isaac, after he abandoned the laptop from hell and didn't pay the bill for doing what he had every contractual right to do. And this part is almost funny. The story shows that Mac Isaac recalled the now infamous crackhead coming into his store just before he closed, perhaps in a drunken stupor, and saying, quote, I need the data recovered off these, but they all have liquid damage and won't turn on. Yep, maybe that's what happens, folks, if you spill a fifth of vodka all over them. Mac Isaac maintains that he obtained the information on Hunter's laptop legally after Biden himself dropped it off in April 2019 and never returned to claim it. In fact, he says he walked into the FBI field office and explained what he had, whereupon he was rebuffed by the federal cover-up artists. He was told, basically, get lost, and that was mid-September 2019. Two months passed, then out of the blue, the FBI contacted him, and two agents from the Wilmington field office came to John Paul's business. He offered to give them the hard drive, no strings attached, but they declined to take the device. I guess later they were told, ooh, you screwed that one up big time. Eight months later, Isaac provided a copy to then-President Donald Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who, in turn, provided a copy of the hard drive to the New York Post. And as you know, the cover-up really had to switch it into high gear after that. Now, this part hasn't gotten as much coverage, but it's certainly interesting. Last year, several whistleblowers in the FBI told Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa that agents investigating Hunter Biden, quote, opened an assessment which was used by an FBI headquarters team to improperly discredit negative Hunter Biden information as disinformation. That's the standard operating procedure, don't you know? And they caused investigative activity to cease. What? Does that mean there was actually ever an investigation to begin with? Adding that his his office received, quote, a significant number of protected communications from highly credible whistleblowers regarding the so-called investigation. Grassley then added that, quote, verified and verifiable derogatory information on Hunter Biden was falsely labeled as disinformation, unquote. Gee, do you think, says the Washington Examiner. Folks, this is absolutely, and I'll say it again, beyond ugly. And I have one final observation. No, it's not just a coincidence that this so-called lawsuit shows up right at the same time that the do-nothing rhino Congress finally says, well, the evidence is so overwhelming, we at least got to pretend to have an impeachment inquiry. Better way late than never. No, I can't help but think there's more here. 
This lawsuit for violating the privacy of the first criminal is so egregious, so absolutely infuriatingly evil, that you can't even imagine that they would have dared to do it a couple of years back. But now, given the complete destruction of the rule of law, oh yeah, they're just plain piling on. We'll start to wrap up the week with the better late than never story. Also, it's the major smokescreen story of the week. I'm talking, of course, about the belated, is it finally happening? Maybe we'll see it attempt to impeach the Biden Fuhrer, who probably, by the time the Senate ever gets around to having some kind of a so-called trial, won't even be cognizant of what's going on, and he'll have to get up frequently to have his diaper changed anyway. That's how far gone this is, folks. Still, though, even better late than never might be wrong at this point. Because really, who are we kidding? The guy is senile. He should have been removed a long time ago under at least the 25th Amendment because literally everybody who isn't yet senile recognizes that he's better suited to a nursing home than the Oval Orifice. Rhino Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is going to do what he should have done on day one. After the Republican majority there caved, relented, and let him be Speaker to begin with. For which Florida's Matt Gates took him to task this week and probably let him off the hook too easily. McCarthy announced an official impeachment inquiry on Tuesday over allegations, good grief, (laughs) over what? Demonstrated evidence, it's not only been years coming, but it's literally an avalanche at this point of corruption and involvement in crooked son Hunter's business dealings, everything from bribery to outright treason, setting off fiery reactions, says the Daily Mail's coverage, from communists. Some of them still call themselves Democrats. By the way, here's a related headline also from the Daily Mail that's almost funny when you think about it. The White Whorehouse, and they didn't spell it right on Tuesday, ripped Speaker Kevin McCarthy for, as they put it, flip-flopping on his impeachment stance. (laughs) Yeah, we had him bought and paid for. What the heck happened? And they insisted that House Republicans have no evidence of wrongdoing. Yeah, the FBI told us they deep-sixed all of it, just like they did Hitler's evidence. We know they won't let you have the laptop. Quote, House Republicans have been investigating the president, sick, for nine months, and they've turned up no evidence of wrongdoing. (laughs) Unquote. No, folks, they've turned up volumes of evidence of outright treason and high crimes and misdemeanors that put to shame the entire concept of an impeachment investigation. This should have been a done deal before they ever allowed this guy to set foot in the same room as a Bible. The Congress and the lying fake news press knew all about it before they even finished rigging the election. This story says Washington was stunned, stunned, I tell you, that it would ever actually happen when McCarthy officially opened an impeachment inquiry into Biden in a shocking statement accusing the fake President Biden Fuhrer of, quote, an abuse of power and being involved in a culture of corruption over Sun Hunter's foreign business deals. And even that hardly begins to tell the story of this literally traitorous crime family and all of the evil that they've known about and covered up for years at this point. But this at least sounds a bit familiar. Ian Sams, special assistant to the Fuhrer, Ut, special senior advisor to the White House Counsel's Office, penned a letter to both conservative and liberal-leaning outlets, in other words, all of the fake news media, both wings of the same evil bird of non-coverage, slated to be distributed on Wednesday in an apparent attempt to, (laughs) oh, I hope you're sitting down, influence their coverage. They've done it before. Why can't they keep doing it? Among outlets targeted, and I like that word in this context, are CNN, the New York Times, the Associated Press, and Faux News. 
said Sam's, quote, it's time for the media <laughs> to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies, unquote. They obviously still believe they own that press. <laughs> and he said this inquiry should set off alarm bells for news organizations. Yep, we know where you live, and we have your number, right? Jonathan Matthew Keyes tweeted, this is not okay. The White House should not be encouraging, influencing, or interfering in the editorial strategies of America's newsrooms, including CNN and the New York Times, unquote. And come on, what rock did he crawl out from under? Oh, and by the way, I think this is funny. The Daily Mail actually followed up with a headline that says how Joe Biden could become the first U.S. president actually removed from office. <laughs> and you'd think that would have happened a long time ago. I say yet again, as the historic impeachment inquiry begins into the corrupt business dealings with Son Hunter. And that's just the beginning of the beginning, folks. But we got to ask, are you seeing a lot of smoke yet? And uh, who knows where the fire is? especially since they're still lying about Maui. But wait, by Friday there was even more, and the smoke machine really started to churn it out. The crackhead first son has been indicted, but not for anything even remotely approaching what he should have been. Bribery, influence peddling, treason? Oh, hell no. What really matters, folks, the only thing that can get anybody who's far enough left actually indicted in America seems to be a violation of, guess what, utterly unconstitutional gun laws. And how's that for sending a message? Because just like the IRS was the only thing that could touch Al Capone, no, the FBI, Department of Justice, or even a rhino Congress won't touch him. But the ATF will rise to the occasion. They're nailing him with three charges that have to do with slaves buying or possessing a handgun. Yeah, you can do all the horrors and crack you want. And a little bribery and treason, well, that's just how you acquire and maintain power. But slaves had better not tell lies to their betters when it comes to begging permission to buy something they don't want you to have anyway. Yep, every charge against Hunter has to do with one single purchase back in 2018 of a handgun. He made a false statement about not being a crackhead on those permission forms. Yeah, they're calling it a historic indictment against the son of a sitting president, sick, and it's a smokescreen and a farce. Because you know what, folks? There's really only one law still left in America. And it sure as hell isn't, well, anything that was once put in that Bill of Rights.